Good morning, everybody. Happy Resurrection Day. It is so good to be able to come together, even if it's virtually, uh, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, pleased to be here this morning. Uh, we're looking forward to having uh, the communion served later. You guys all came by, or many of you came by earlier in the week, and uh, you came by and picked up uh, communion elements, both for your families as well as some of you picked up some for others. And you should have that there with you now. And as soon as I'm done preaching, we're going to go directly to Brother Gary, and he is going to lead us in the communion service. Uh, excited about that. And again, happy Resurrection Day. I would like at this moment in time to get straight to the Word. Um, if you guys uh, will sit back, get comfortable, uh, hear the Word of God, we're going to open, ultimately open up with Luke 24. So if you guys want to turn your <clears throat> into your Bibles to Luke 24, that's where we're going to get to. It's just going to take us a little while to get there. So if you guys will just... Uh, sit back, get comfortable. Uh, we're going to get there, okay? So let's let's go ahead and go uh, into the Word of God. Uh, <clears throat> we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. That's what we do. We've set this time aside uh, each year to celebrate and to remember and to memorialize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the Christian faith simply cannot be overestimated. In fact, the centrality of the resurrection is shown by the fact that believing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead is essential for salvation. That's how important it is. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Rome in Romans 10 and 9, and everybody knows this verse, Paul wrote, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the Christian faith simply cannot be overestimated. Which brings me to the central question this morning that I'm going to have you be pondering, hopefully for the rest of the day, and maybe even longer than that. Our central question this morning is simple. What does Easter mean to you? What does Easter mean to you? Think about that question for just a minute. Just ponder that. This isn't an, isn't an exercise in churchianity. I'm asking you what does Easter mean to you? When you consider all that the Easter celebration represents, what does that mean to you? As children of God, whether you're part of Calvary Worship Center here in Corsicana, Texas, or whether you're from some other congregation from some other place in, in the country, or whether you're not part of a congregation at all, anywhere, ask yourself this question. What does Easter mean to you? I started thinking about this very question when asking the Lord for his assistance in preparing for this message. I wanted to know how he wanted me to approach a Resurrection Sunday. After consulting the Lord in prayer and the Holy Spirit, then in turn, after some time in prayer, 
uh, he dropped this very question into my spirit. What does Easter mean to you? I could see it. It was almost like it was written on something in my mind. I could see the question. And what was so funny is that when he posed that question to me, that my mind immediately, I'm talking no time between the question and where my mind went. It immediately went to my childhood. And what Easter was like growing up in the tiny community of Interlock in Michigan. That's where it went. What does Easter mean to you? Boom, Interlock in Michigan. I was there as a child that fast. Well, we're going to talk about that for a few minutes, and then I'm going to go ahead and get into Luke chapter 24. As a child, Easter was a mixture of the sacred and the sugar-filled. My mother, Shirley, always made holidays just simply magical. When my siblings and I got up on Easter Sunday morning, we were greeted by not only the Easter decorations that had been put up by Mom uh, for the past week or more, uh, but we were also greeted by these traditional Easter baskets. And they, they were wrapped from the bottom up to the top. And she would somehow fix the top of this um, with the the cellophane wrapping that you see around Easter baskets. And there was, they were filled with either green or pink or yellow Easter grass, that stuff. And every seasonal candy that a child could possibly want. Mom had hidden these baskets around the living room area um, for us to find. Now, don't get the idea that she hid them in the traditional sense of hiding. These We're talking about very little children now. And she would hide them like behind a chair, which would be technically in plain view. It was very easy to find these baskets. It wasn't a problem for us at all. But they were hidden nonetheless. And as children, this only added to the intrigue and the utter perfected joy of the sugar-filled part of Easter morning. Now, one Easter, my family and I had gone to church and then over to um, a neighboring, the neighboring town of Mancelona, Michigan, to visit relatives. We oftentimes would leave church and go straight to Mancelona to visit relatives on Sunday afternoons after church. That was something that we did pretty regularly. Now, The important part about this is that I had inadvertently left my Easter basket near a great big window in our house in the sun. By the time we got back home that evening, uh, my big chocolate Easter bunny, you guys all know what they are, my big chocolate Easter bunny, which was always the centerpiece of our Easter baskets. Mom always put them right there in the center and then surrounded the big bunny um, with the other various candies. Uh, That rabbit, because it had been in the sun in the window, resembled mm, something more like a science experiment gone very, very wrong rather than an effigy of Peter Rabbit. It was not pretty in the least. The chocolate rabbit had melted in no small degree 
into that grass-filled basket. It wasn't pretty. Well, as a little red-blooded American boy, I was simply not going to sacrifice my chocolate bunny just because it had become one with some fake grass. It wasn't going to happen. Simply wasn't going to happen. So after allowing the chocolate to cool down and firm up some, I spent literally, I have no idea how much time picking grass out of the base of that rabbit. You see, I had been called to the kingdom for such a time as this, and I was dedicated to this cause. That rabbit was going to serve its purpose. I'm happy to report that although misshapen, the Easter rabbit was delicious. Now, Easter Sunday morning was also a time of emphasizing the sacred. I was raised Catholic, as many of you who attend Calvary Worship Center know. And I remained Catholic until I was roughly 15 years of age. As a child, Easter Sunday was also exciting besides the baskets and the decorations. It was also exciting because my siblings and I got to wear our Easter outfits. Now, like so many kids around the country, um, these were outfits uh, mom got for us, brand new, just for Sunday Easter Mass. Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. But as kids, you know, we weren't really aware of that. We, we didn't know we didn't have a lot of money. The way mom conducted herself and how she made so many things so special, we didn't know we didn't really have money. And uh, what when my brother and my sisters and I got these outfits and put them on for Sunday Mass, we felt like princes and princesses. In fact, once I got dressed in my little outfit, I was like this little, blonde, freckled-faced, although round, peacock strutting around the house like I was the king of the world. For some reason, those outfits meant a lot going to Sunday Mass. But it was at Mass that the Lord began expose me as to who his son Jesus Christ was and although I couldn't assimilate all of that I was just simply too little God was still embedding his truth and his presence in me when I was eight years old when I was eight years old I came to the conclusion that I wanted to be a minister. Eight years old. I wanted to be a minister. Now that was a profound revelation because at eight, I didn't have the foggiest idea what a minister even was. The only thing that I was had any knowledge at all about was the priesthood. And yet, I wanted to be a minister. Catholic, eight-year-old boy, what in the world is a minister? Well, I didn't really know, but I knew this. I knew that the 
priests couldn't get married and that a minister could. And at eight years old, I had determined that I wanted to get married someday. That was my logic. That was the full breadth of it. I wanted to get married. But at the same time, I wanted the ability to serve God. God works in in mysterious ways sometimes, but here I am. I'm married, and I'm a minister. You do the math. That, those experiences that I've just relayed to you, that is what Easter meant to me. But both the sacred and the sugar-filled, that's what Easter meant to me. But now, Easter is much less about the sugar and far, far more about the sacred. Now, what I'm about to tell you, this is what Easter means to me now. Let's all open our Bibles. I told you early to get ready for Luke chapter 24. So let's look at Luke chapter 24. We're going to read the first eight verses. And again, I'm reading out of the NIV. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 8, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from, uh, from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look? For the living among the dead, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Verse 8 says, Then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. Right here, in this passage of Scripture, two angels broke the silence about Jesus having been raised from the dead. While a small group of women became the first evangelists to spread that news to others, a once dead belief, dead, buried in its own tomb of fear and disillusionment was now slowly but steadily experiencing its own resurrection. The death of Jesus on the cross was essential. We've got to understand, and I think we all do, that as born-again believers, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is an essential factor. It must have happened. But without the resurrection, we would still be lost. The cross is of vital importance, but the resurrection seals 
the deal. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 12 through 21. Beginning in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now you have to remember, I'm just going to pause for a second. You have to remember here that this is the first letter to the church at Corinth. And as we all know, Corinthians got issues. The Corinthian church has got some serious issues. And specifically in our verses here, the issue is some of them don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So let's move on. Verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised... Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. What does Easter mean to me? What does Easter mean to me? It means that because of what Jesus did for us, I am saved. That's what Easter means to me. That's it. Because of what Jesus did for all of us, I'm saved. That's what Easter means to me. Maybe you're watching and you don't know Jesus Christ. I don't know. Probably the single most quoted scripture in the entire canon of the Bible, maybe that in Psalm 23, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you're one of those whosoevers. Easter means that to me. That because God gave His Son, because Jesus came, Lived, died, but resurrected. I'm saved. That's what Easter means to me. But the question of the hour isn't about what does, question, what does Easter mean to me. The question is, what does Easter mean to you? I would encourage you today to, to, to in some way, one way, shape, or form, to emphasize the sacred. Right now, in our country, because of the coronavirus, COVID-19, we are apart. 
That's why you're watching me on a computer screen or a television screen. We're apart, separated for a season, out of necessity. But here's the thing you need to grasp a hold of. God doesn't shelter in place. He does whatever He wants to do. He goes wherever He wants to go. And He does it whenever He wants to. With Him, there is no such thing as social distancing. He's God. He is Lord of all things. The Bible says that every knee will bow. And that includes COVID-19. It it doesn't have a choice. When he decides this is over, when he decides to go into a household or somewhere and and let his presence be known, I'm sorry, COVID-19 has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to say about it. He is God. With him there is no social distancing. So seize the day and emphasize the sacred and ask yourself, what does Easter mean to you? I opened with Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Well, I'm going to close with that as well, but I'm also going to include verse 10. The apostle wrote, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Son. We give You glory. We give You praise for Your Son. Father, we thank You that we can come together, even if it's virtually, to worship on this day, the day that has been set aside to commemorate and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, I just ask that you would minister to your body. Father, I know this is a difficult time, and I'm just asking that you would minister to them where they are. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. Provide for them. Protect them. But Lord, if there's someone out there who doesn't know you, who is watching this, then Lord, my prayer is is that you would help them to get to a determination and a a determination in the affirmative when they answer the question, what does Easter mean to them? Father, help them to find you. And Lord, let the promises of God, which are yea and amen, be unto them as well. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we glorify your name in all the earth. Amen and amen. As I always finish, I just wanted to let you know that uh, our website is operating. It's at cwccorsicana.org. That is where you find the giving tab. You can give your tithe and offering there. Uh, You can mail in your tithe and offering by snail mail. Uh, You can also go to our Facebook page, which is CWC Corsicana, and you can view this message at CWC Corsicana on YouTube. Now, it's my pleasure and my honor to give this pulpit 
over to Dr. Gary Johnson, and we're going to enjoy a time of fellowship with the Lord in communion. God bless.